Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy. And today our topic is going to be the problem of knowledge. Now, this problem of knowledge, it's, uh, it's been a central problem to philosophy and also our society. How do we know? And, uh, it, you know, so the problem is not always just what we know, but it's how do we know it? And this is uh, what we want to discuss today. Uh, and this topic is also uh, coming from one of our upcoming courses that Dr. Smith is going to be rolling out, uh, which is called epistemology, which is the field of philosophy that investigates uh, knowledge and really looks into the, the, the central questions of what is knowledge and how do we know it? How do we attain it? Uh, and so uh, be on the lookout for that. Check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com to find uh, all of our courses and to uh, look forward to Dr. Smith's epistemology course. So Dr. Smith, uh, as always, uh, let yeah. us begin with some clear definitions. Uh, that's right. Some, that's right. Yeah. Some clarity. Learning. I know. This is great. <laughs> Slow um, you might turn into a philosopher. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The um, so, um, you know, uh, so the phrase episto or the word epistemology, yeah. term epistemology, I mean, good grief, right? Um, so it comes from uh, like a lot of our category. It's a branch of philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, epistemology uh, comes from the terms uh, episteme and logia. So it's a study of episteme, which are is a kind of um, is usually translated as as knowledge. Okay. So when we're studying uh, epistemology, we're, we're studying um, knowledge itself. It's the philosophical investigation of knowledge. Now, you might think, well, okay, is that really necessary? <laughs> um, and, and the answer is yes, it is, right? The, um, you know, if you think about it broadly, mm -hmm. um, beliefs, uh, theories, explanations, judgments, arguments, all those sorts of things, right, are irreducible parts of human experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you even try to argue that that's not the case, you're demonstrating that it is, right? <laughs> because you're using an argument to show that argument's not part an irreducible part of, of human experience, right? right? See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it, this is just an undeniable point um, that, that thought and ideas, not only do, do ideas matter, uh, as we've often talked about uh, on our podcast and other other context in another context but in addition to that um uh it, it's it's something that has to be studied right yeah because if you think about it everything else that we investigate in philosophy say we're doing political philosophy or uh say we're doing ethics or metaphysics everything else we do in philosophy uses thought right, <laughs> right? Right, right. right thought and argument ideas about truth right? Those are the instruments we use in all other forms of investigation. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's both, I think, really interesting and also um, daunting about epistemology, right, is that in epistemology, we're investigating the very tools by which we usually investigate other things, right? Does that make sense? There's a kind of a self-reflective character to it. Yeah, 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 and and I think it, it's you know it's really evident when you look at um, when you look at uh, say theories or things like that that are 
contrary to your own understanding mm-hmm. and you'll mm-hmm. you'll read or you'll hear claims like you know you know x is y or something you'll say well how do you know that you know so yeah. asking that question like <laughs> You know, I mean, if you've ever if you've ever tried sure. to read something like, you know, some of the, the gender theories that are out there, if you've ever mm-hmm. tried to read one of those uh, and I have, um, it's it's you, you sit there and you say, well, how, how did you get how did you get to that right. point? How do you mm-hmm. know that point? How did you you sure. come about uh, uh, and, and not just and not just come about it in such a way as to where you're making a claim, but you're basing so much mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. one thing. So. The the, sure. the the idea or the um, kind of the foundation of uh, of how do you know that I think is it's one of those things. It's not always obvious for people, and it may sound uh, like you said maybe kind of daunting or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. but it's a very very important question in sure. in the sharing yeah. of ideas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think Jason, what you just uh, brought up there is is important because when we when you ask the question, how do you know, right? Yeah. What are you looking for there? I'm looking for them to justify their position on there facts, on yeah. on That's something right. that that I can also grasp. So something that is kind of universal to some degree, maybe, mm-hmm. or something that is sure. at least shareable, as yeah. opposed to you know your your feelings, you know, or something right. like that. I want something a little bit a little bit more concrete. Mm-hmm. I want you to justify justify that for me. Right. Yeah. So so some you know. Um, yeah, you're looking for for evidence, yeah. right? You could say, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the truth of the claim that's being made here. So if you if you think about it this way, you know, thought and theory and descriptions and explanations are part of an irreducible part of human experience. Mm-hmm. Some of those are many of those uh, thoughts and ideas. I'll just use those beliefs or ideas broadly for all of our kind of mental products. You could say, okay. right? Yeah. Um, uh, many of our beliefs and ideas are uh, about reality mm-hmm. and make important claims about reality, claims that at least suggest um, things about what should or should not be done. So like claims that God exists or God does not exist, claims about, say, global warming, right, whether it's uh, anthropogenic or not, all those sorts of things. Um, those are claims about reality that are made all the time. Claims that so you know that somebody is a certain sex and should be uh, or gender, and should be treated uh, in that way, right? Those are claims about yep. reality, right? Um, so uh, when you're making a, a claim about reality, it's important because it has at least some implications about how we ought to think, speak, relate, how we ought to act, uh, and so then it becomes important to say, okay, well, which, what are the best claims yeah. right, about reality, right? And the best claims are the ones that are most likely to be true, the ones that are most likely to, to bring out the way things really are, okay? And so uh, this is where I think uh, a lot of epistemological questions, um, a lot of epistemological ideas and work has been done. Mm-hmm. So we would, would generally agree that a true belief is better than a false belief. Correct. <laughs> I'm with you so far. <laughs> so, um, um, but uh, we don't want to say, right, that that true belief is sufficient for knowledge. So when we're talking about different ways of describing reality, mm-hmm. claims about reality, true claims are better 
but the best claims right are are what we designate as knowledge right right and when we designate something as knowledge right we're we're saying something about it being the best kind of belief right mm -hmm. the most accurate or maybe certain or something like that um and and you know let's say that um let's say that you had a uh, one way of illustrating this, right, is to see that that knowledge gives you something more than a lucky guess. Yeah. Let's say that I, I was to claim that the Titans are going to beat the Buffalo Bills um, 24 to 13. Okay? It's a good guess. Right? right? Uh, you know, I've got some reasons for saying that, right? I'm not just completely pulling it out of a hat. But... Um, you know, let's say it turns out to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I might say at a moment of exhilaration, I knew it all along, right? <laughs> but the truth is, yeah, I don't know it, right? Because there's no way I could say, I mean, it could turn out to be otherwise, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you think about it that way, um, I can't show, right, that it's necessarily true, mm -hmm. right? Or that it's even probable i can give you maybe some plausible arguments about it but i can't really say that i know it right there's got to be something more than that let me take a little bit more extraordinary example um let's say that uh i made a claim that um that there are aliens right right intelligent life and there are so we're gonna yeah it'll be a whole nother podcast on aliens <laughs> so let's wait i made the claim that there are aliens uh, intelligent life uh, out in the universe. It's not Homo sapien or whatever, Earthling. Um, and uh, let's just say it turned out, you know, um, to be the case that there are such things. One uh, interesting example: what if it? What if it's true that there are aliens, but we never found them? Right? Yeah. My statement would be true. We yeah. would just never know it does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right? like um it, i mean that's that's kind of possible right the, a possibility to think about right that there that there could be an intelligent life somewhere else in the universe just logically speaking and and we just never found each other <laughs> right yeah. or maybe they they found us and they're avoiding us <laughs> but anyways, good reason uh, <laughs> they're like no thank you <laughs> but anyways I mean, who could blame them, right? Yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway. so, so it has. So the 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 statement, you know, there are aliens. While that may be true, it would never fall into the area, or the, it would never fall into knowledge until it can really be justified. Until there can be some demonstrable evidence or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Gotcha. So the way contemporary uh, epistemologists have have talked about this is to say that. Um, that knowledge is justified true belief, right? Um, so you think about that, maybe belief isn't the best word, but we'll just say it an opinion or judgment, right? Mm -hmm. That's true, but not only is it true, it's justified, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's such that uh, it kind of goes along with what you were asking for earlier, right? That the, um, it, uh, uh, the person can answer the question, well, how do you know that? Yeah. Right. In a way that is, um, effective, um, compelling, that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's 
So, I mean, like that's going to be our working definition there for knowledge is that knowledge is that justified true belief. And so we yeah. have to be able yeah. to, to work with that. Uh, yeah, I think that that's 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 the, that's the contemporary one. And it's a pretty good one. I think yeah. there are some problems with it. Uh, and contemporary epistemologists tend to always qualify and say, well, we're not really sure this is the best definition we can come up with. But uh, this is the one sort of that we have. I think um, Aristotle and St. Thomas have a slightly different um, way of categorizing that. Mm-hmm. And that is they, they think of it, you know, as a, that knowledge involves a habit of thought, right? Um, a habit of thought that um, culminates in necessary truths. Right? We could talk about that maybe sometime else, but, um, or as, as we go along, but, uh, so in any event, uh, we can maybe loop back around and think about what St. Thomas and Aristotle have to say about it. But the, um, the, the key issue, if you're going to accept the idea that knowledge is justified true belief, then the real question um, isn't so much about truth. Usually what truth is, is uh, understood as some version of correspondence. That is that mm-hmm. a true belief is one that reflects um, uh, the way things are. Um, the... Um, yeah, that reflects, uh, you know, reality, right? Yeah. Uh, the real issue usually comes into when we talk, we're talking about justification. That is, what account, what amounts to a sufficient condition, right? Um, or a necessary condition for uh, justification. Like, what counts as evidence here, right? right. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You can't ju- and you can't just say, well it's justified because I say it is, you know, you can't just (laughs) (laughs) declare it to be, you know, like it, and, Uh and, you know, going with the, you know, the, it all, you know, it also has to be true. So it has to be, uh, in accord with reality and you have to justify, uh, your statement about it as being in accord with reality. So there's, so, I mean, it brings up, I mean, we're talking about a lot of different things here that, that they sure. go into, you know, what true knowledge is, you know, but I, but again, it's important, you know, and when you're talking with somebody and you're trying to get to a conclusion, you're trying to get to some resolution or something like that, you want those elements to be there. Truth, you want it to be in accord with reality, not with some uh, uh, fictional uh, or, you know, some, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh just alternative version of mm-hmm. of reality that doesn't really exist outside of the person's head you want it to be really in accord with reality and you want you want it to be uh defendable you want it to be uh sure. e- explainable um you mm-hmm. want to be able to share it with others in that way and so yeah so i mean like when when you get down to it it sounds like a a simple question or even you know i think for people when they think about philosophy epistemology can kind of seem like well do we really need to ask that i mean yeah we're talking we're talking about knowledge already why do we need to talk about what you know how did we get it we already have it you know yeah that's one of the things though because we use it all the time right yeah that's one of the reasons we need to think about it right that is if you don't because when you start talking about this way then you're starting to talk about well what's your criteria for knowing that something is true right what's your criteria for determining that this counts as true and this other does not, right? Right. And uh, and so if you have the wrong criteria, right, then you very well are going to be uh, on the wrong path, right, right in right, terms right. of um, 
of determining what it, something is and what is true. Yeah, and we have to be able to to you know uh, help bring uh, reason into into all of these into an unreasonable world. You know, I mean that's part of the uh, uh, part of part of what it, I think it means to be to be a Christian today is to bring. Uh, uh, bring this into the in into the world and into our discussions where we can, you know, not not just defend things based on you know divine revelation uh, or something like that, but to bring a reasonable approach to something and say, well, hang on, you know, like let's let's look at the the criteria here uh, for why you're saying that because um, uh, that'll go a long way. I think it will. You know. Sure. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, that's helpful. Um, to think about one of the um, um, one of the issues uh, then uh, that needs to be uh, considered, right? Then is is the different forms of justification, right? Yeah. That is, how do we go about justifying a belief? Uh, probably one of the um, the most common ways of thinking about this is what has been called foundationalism. Okay. Right. And uh, foundationalism is the view that there are certain things that are known. Um, there are certain things that are known necessarily, indubitably, in themselves, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that all other beliefs are known in virtue of being based on or derived from those indubitable beliefs. Okay. All right. Does it, do you follow me? Yeah, getting there. <laughs> yeah, so kind of think about it as a pyramid, right? Okay. So you have the large, heavy foundation stones, right, um, at the base of the pyramid, and all of the other stones stand on them. Uh, ideally, in the metaphor, those foundation stones would almost stand on themselves. Right? Okay. Got it. Now that metaphor has got problems because we know that real pyramids, the foundation stones stand on other stones, right? They stand <laughs> on the ground, yeah. right? All that sort of thing, you know what I mean? Um, but that's the the basic idea. And I think there's some truth to this uh, approach. Mm -hmm. If you think about foundationalism, the idea of derivation, right, is a good one. You know, so if I'm thinking like, okay, well, how do I, how do I know, how do I determine which truths are, uh, which beliefs are true and which are not? A good way is to say, well, this belief uh, a, a given belief uh, follows necessarily from other beliefs that I know are true. Right. Does that make sense? You know, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Syllogisms and things like that where. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful deductive reasoning. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in, a, in a way, I think there's there's that idea of derivation of one truth from another truth logically. Yeah. Right. Is really is really great. Um, the problem comes in with the the foundations side of it. Right. And this is where you sort of say, okay, well, um, let's talk about this indubitable part, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this indubitable part? Uh, again, I think there's a, a, a grain of truth to this, but at least in the modern period, the idea was that the, the part that's indubitable is something that is a priori known by reason. Now, that's a, what, is, what do we yeah, mean what by do you, Yeah, what does that mean? Right. So it's something that is um, you can know without having to point to any definite experience. You can know just on the basis of the content of the ideas. Okay. Um, 
So I can say without sort of showing you each and every um, instance, I can say that that no triangle, right, is a rectangle. Right. right. You understand what a triangle is. It necessarily follows that not a single triangle could possibly be a rectangle. Right. So Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, those sorts of things. Right. Um, now, uh, probably uh, maybe our listeners are familiar with the philosopher Rene Descartes. Right. Uh, Rene Descartes, you know, uh, famous, infamous, however you want to put it. Right. We're saying, well, um, the one thing that I, I, I really can't doubt is my own existence right yeah <laughs> uh so i think therefore i am right as is his his claim there and uh certainly there's there's something to to that claim i mean i, I kind of think descartes kind of got a point i don't think it's as good as he thinks of course uh but uh what's what's interesting here <clears throat> i think uh an important um, this this would be a, a version uh, of foundationalism that's called rationalism, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That reason on its own, right, yeah. is sufficient to kind of almost generate its own set of indubitable truths and then deduce all other truths from it, right? Now, there's some large-scale problems with this. Yes. Um, one of them is that it presupposes that the rules of logic are mapped onto the way reality is. Mm. Um and so it might be the case that logically speaking, triangles and squares, you know, are, are mutually exclusive. It doesn't um, to apply that to reality, though, involves the assumption, right, that reality is logical. Right. right. Now, I believe it is. OK, we should clear <laughs> that, OK, but that's an important claim. Right. I mean, it might you know some. Some philosophers would claim that actually reality is is fundamentally irrational, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some theories about contemporary physics would involve the idea that um, the that the universe is ultimately non logical uh, as well, right. um, in which that that generates its own self defeating problem. But we'll set that aside for now. Um, so you know, do you get the idea? Yeah, according to the rules of the mind certain logical things have to work a certain way, but there's, there's no non-circular reason for claiming yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The, that reality fits the pattern of human logic. Yeah. So we, going back to your uh, illustration there with the pyramid, like before you start to build on those foundational rocks, those rocks need to be justified you can't right. just say, well, everybody knows this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. these things are just self-evident, you know? Well, yeah. Well, that's the claim is that some things are self-evident and that's true. It, it there be, are. It, yeah. It might be true that some things are self-evident, but even if they're self-evident to us, it doesn't necessarily follow. That's the way the world is. Right. 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 Well, you well need to, yeah. And you just need to bring in a larger picture. Yeah. Actually, in order to say it's self-evident to the human mind and there, and therefore true in reality. Right, 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 right. Well, and that's the other thing is to is to to also show that even if it's self evident, that doesn't mean that you can't justify it uh, in an external way before moving on. Like, sure, if you claim that it's self evident, and somebody else doesn't see it. Well, you know, there, you know, like because we would say things like, you know, um, one plus one is two. You know, mm -hmm. that's self evident. But my two year old, no, that's not self evident. You know. So, so, so there, sure. there does need to be some justification. Now, when you have, a, yeah, that's I a think, really good, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a really you, good point there, Jason. But one thing I want to bring in there yeah. with that is when your two year old fails to see that. Yeah. That's not evidence that that doesn't prove that it's not self evident. It shows that there are external conditions to knowledge. Right. That right. your two year old doesn't fit yet. Does that make sense? No offense to your two-year-old. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I will pass along your your uh, your your sorrow. Um, but uh, but but I mean, like, but that, but we have to. I think that's important to remember, especially when we're talking to people about you know things that we think are you know self-evident, like things that have to do with like human nature. That we're sure, like, well, sure. it's just just is. It's like okay, well, just because it just because it, you think it's self evident and things like that, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you you don't have to justify it or you don't have to do these things. You may have to take that extra step because, like you said, there is there is an uh, something external that is that is blocking somebody from um, receiving yeah, yeah, that sure. uh, that what what should be self evident uh, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's helpful. Um, and very often, I think it involves. I mean, uh, ultimately, kind of the external conditions for knowledge. Ultimately, I think are not something that epistemology can fully delineate. Actually, yeah. I think it involves having certain a certain metaphysical picture, right, uh, of the world. And I'll, I'll come back to that at some point here. Um, but I think that's important. So let me uh, finish yeah, yeah. just my thoughts about sure. foundationalism. The other problem with foundationalism, the other critique that you can mount, uh, is that foundationalism seems to be self-defeating. Foundationalism claims that in order for uh, a, a belief to be count as knowledge, it must either be uh, intuitive, intuitively self-evident or derived from intuitively self-evident truths. But that claim itself is not intuitively self-evident nor derived from uh, yeah. Uh, other intuitively self-evident truths. Do you follow me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, uh, the logic that, behind the like, argument yeah. is not necessarily yeah. present in reality. That's so <laughs> that's the kind of uh, knuckle busting <laughs> critique, and uh, you know it, it it it's too bad. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you just kind of as an epistemologist, kind of have to hang your head and say, "Well, darn it." Uh, <laughs> I guess that's be something else. So the other major alternative here. Uh, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm, there are lots of nuances here that have to be left out sure, sure. Uh, to just kind of give a general lay of the land. But, um, one of the nuances here is, or one of the alternatives is to say, okay, well, it's not foundationalism. What we need is coherence, right? Okay. So what makes your set of beliefs correct? Okay. Uh, what makes a set of beliefs or a given belief knowledge, right? And justify that's key. What counts as justification yeah. is not foundationalism, but coherence with your other beliefs. So if you can demonstrate that a given belief is consistent with your other beliefs, right? right. So you have sort of a web. This is the way they like to think. Uh, this is the metaphor, right? It's a tapestry. It's a web of self-consistent beliefs, mm-hmm. right? That that make that justifies, right, uh, um, uh, a given belief, right? So... As long as it's internally consistent, right? Okay, then uh, we can kind of do the work that beliefs are supposed to do. We can describe the world in a way, um, and and that that's sufficient. So think about this. Um, think about scientific beliefs. Okay. Right. 
um, modern science is generally, you know, to kind of the to the many, right? <laughs> modern science is thought of as sort of the gold standard, right, yeah, of yeah. knowledge, right? Yeah. So that that you know, if it's consistent with other scientific beliefs, then a belief must be true, right? Something like that, right. and that's because we've become deeply confident of the scientific method mm -hmm. and of various other scientific claims, right? Right. So claims about heliocentrism, claims about the fundamental forces of nature, claims about um, um, sort of biological structure and the diversity of life and things like that. People have become very confident, right, in various um, – claims and so if you're going to accept you know x y and z as a scientific belief mm -hmm. right because it's science right then hypothesis t also should be accepted right if right, you're going right, to be right. consistent that yeah. makes sense so that that really what makes science so appealing right and the and sort of the body of scientific beliefs that has developed one thing that's important here is a coherentist scheme doesn't require you to always have the same set of beliefs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there's certain flexibility to it, right? Yeah. Most people don't realize this, but scientific beliefs, scientific hypotheses come and go all the time, yeah. right? Um, actually, there's no such, it's not like science is this body of knowledge. <laughs> it's a system that yeah. generates a body of, uh, we'll say, highly warranted, right, Um um, beliefs, right, or uh, conclusions, but sometimes even those get revised, right, over yeah. time. Don't even it's get very, me. Don't even get me started about Pluto. <laughs> I will. Right. I'm still. Right. I'm still yeah. mad about Pluto. Declaring dwarf right. planet. It's um, ridiculous. So, uh, in any event, that what makes science knowledge is its is, is its coherence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, now, on the other hand, you could also make the claim. Um, so does that make sense, that approach? Yeah, it does. And I think when you look at uh, uh, the modern person, I think a reason why uh, this I, – I, I think the reason why people get so attached to science mm -hmm. and say – to the to the extent that they will say, you know, I am a man of science, is that uh, I think it's for epistemological reasons, whether they recognize it or not. They're saying that this is the – highest form or the uh this is the the truest belief that has been justified to the best degree therefore i am going to make this my my i'm going to make this my bedrock you know so i mean i think the reason why people uh um uh go to it with such uh emphasis to to even declare them to be man of science and things like that uh um is because they they for 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 those things that you just said you know that they uh, uh, they feel that it is the most justified true belief. Sure. Um, sure. So I mean, I I think there's there's you know I think that you know should maybe you know hint to us about um, the power of what you know good epistemology can do. Um, uh, it can really uh, shore up uh, uh, you know the the beliefs you have and like you said, at least make them coherent. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. So with what you just said there, at least make it coherent. Right? <laughs> so uh, uh, the at least part, I think, is instructive. Yeah. I would, would say that 
I know I do say that coherence is a necessary condition, mm-hmm. but not sufficient. But not sufficient. Yeah. yeah. So think about it this way: you could um, come up with a system of Hindu philosophy combined mm-hmm. with magic mm-hmm. that could be internally coherent, yeah, right? And could explain all the phenomena around you, uh, the various things that you experience. You know, it could offer consistent explanations that that right. sort of were sufficient to the data. And so, um, I would still say it's false. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me give you another example. Marxism's kind of cons- uh, internally coherent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a as a sort of political philosophy, I mean, if I want to, right. I could give you an hour-long lecture on Marxism um, that would probably stymie, you know, your, your usual objections. Okay, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's it has a certain internal coherence, right? Sure, sure. Once you learn those ideas, once you learn those theories, how they connect to one another, and the ways in which they help to explain various social phenomena, then you. There really is a kind of compelling force to it. It also turns out to be the case that Marxism is false. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, even though it's coherent. Yeah, yeah. There, another good example. I even heard a a, a Catholic philosopher uh, give kudos to um, a philosopher named uh, Peter Singer, um, mm. who has some very extreme views uh, w- with regards to abortion and infanticide. Wretched, wretched man. Right, yeah, yeah, and um, you know he advocates for like killing a child you know up until i think about five or something like that and you know that it's completely okay to also uh do away with um do away with uh old people as well as soon as they become a burden on society and things like that that we should just Mm -hmm. kill him um and his own his own mother uh got sick and he actually had to care for her and somebody pointed that out and they said well why didn't you just uh you know and he said, he, and, and, but his response was, my philosophy is harder to live than it is uh, wrong, you know, or than it, you know, so the, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, he. So it's internally coherent, it's but practically in, not applicable. Yeah, 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 internally coherent, but horribly wrong, horribly yeah, yeah. wrong. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so the, the internal coherence uh, doesn't, uh, is not sufficient justification. The, yeah. uh, the arguments of foundationalism is not uh, mm-hmm. sufficiently, uh, uh, justification. Uh, so, so where else can we go then, Dr. <laughs> Smith? So, um, there are, uh, a couple of, uh, alternatives, um, here. One possibility, uh, to go with, um, is, uh, to go with, uh, the idea that, um, uh, that really knowledge is an ethical matter rather than a matter of attaining metaphysical truth. Okay. And so some people consider it normative. That is, there's such a thing as thinking poorly and thinking well, Mm. there's a, uh, uh, there's a way of thinking responsibly or thinking irresponsibly. Right. Right. That sort of thing. Right. Um, now I'll admit that I find that some of this, uh, uh, the thing that's interesting about epistemology to me is I find all of them, almost all the theories have something to them, right? There's like some insight there, right? But then then it doesn't ultimately work well enough, right? Yeah, there's some fatal flaw, yeah. Yeah, so I I think there's something correct about this. I mean, when I teach logic, when I've taught logic especially, 
there's a way in which teaching logic is normative, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, to the students, yes, you have the power to reason naturally. It doesn't mean that you naturally reason well, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so what we're trying to do is help you to reason well. And so, uh, and we can, so we can talk about thoughts that are ill formed, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it drives me, it just drives me crazy. The degree to which people will form extremely strong opinions on the basis of almost no research or, um, consideration or analysis, right? They just read a little, you know, here's some, you know, they'll even just see like a, a sentence, yeah, right, yeah, and a yeah. news story, right, and and conclude that so and so is an evil person. You're like, wait, wait a second, like, yeah, how did you get on. there? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, w- would you want to be cre- like evaluated? Would it be accurate to evaluate you on one sentence? Yeah. Right, uh, probably not. Right. Um, so I think there is something something here that's important. Right, that is that that, that there is a way in which um, responsibility. Uh, there's a, a kind of a moral side to thinking, right? An ethical side, um, or even just think about it as a craft, right? You can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can craft thought well, just like you can, you know, craft a um, sentence or something like that's that. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or, or you know, uh, say you can be an effective plumber or not, right? Yeah. Or you can be you know, somebody who installs tile well or poorly. Similarly, you can you you know you can think about thought as a craft as well. So mm-hmm. I think there is a something correct about this. Um, but of course there's still problems. And one of the problems here is, okay, but how do you know what counts as good thought and bad thought? Yeah. And that's going to get you right back in an issue where you've got to talk about truth, human nature, right? Cause I, if I was to start explaining that, I would say something about, well, you know, you, know, you have human nature and, and human nature includes the intellectual power, intellectual power is ordered to truth. So good thought is thought that gets yeah. you closer to truth. But then all of that is like, I'm trying to, again, describe reality, right? Yeah, yeah. So the ethical analysis of thought itself presupposes, right, a certain view of reality. reality. <laughs> right. Which requires so justification. I don't think that, yeah, yeah. that works either. Now you might say, well, darn it, what does work, Dr. Smith? And I'm uh, this is one where I'm not going to give you an easy answer. Yeah, on this, this is the right most now. frustrating podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, uh, I want to <clears throat> sort of point out a couple of things. Then maybe in our next podcast, we'll talk about what I think is the the alternative. Yeah. Okay. That so good. The, the, your frustration will be relieved at some <laughs> point. Right? Hang in there. Uh, just, just, just not now. I think that, that this is what is sometimes called, Jason, uh, uh, a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's like yeah. A, a philosophical <laughs> cliffhanger. Which is like the least exciting thing in the world <laughs> you're so wrong there's nothing more exciting than a philosophical cliffhanger me? anyway so all of this you know like man all these theories they keep seeming to fail yeah. this of course gives rise to two important uh or several important re- responses one of which of course is skepticism right now skepticism is not contrary to what's sometimes thought skepticism is not an exclusively modern phenomenon mm-hmm. it is a minority report in the ancient world but there were ancient skeptics, uh, interestingly enough, right? Uh, one of my favorites is Sextus Empiricus, and I use him uh, to torment students in Introduction to Philosophy often because <laughs> <laughs> his arguments are so clever. 
uh, and um, it drives it really drives the students crazy, uh, but like in a good way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, so there is a, a tradition of skepticism going back a long ways, but certainly it came into more prominence in the modern period. Interestingly, Rene Descartes was not a skeptic. He's the opposite, right? Actually, he's yeah, a rationalist. rationalist. He used skeptical arguments to try to justify rationalism. Um, the problem is that a lot of his skeptical arguments seem persuasive to his colleagues, whereas his uh, defense, his rationalistic defenses, did not. Right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, the the uh, so Descartes himself wasn't a skeptic, but a lot of modern thinkers brought up views that theories that seem to indicate some kind of skepticism. Mm -hmm. And I'll just briefly say what skepticism is, make one critical remark and then move on. But skepticism is generally the view that we don't have knowledge, right? right? You know, um, we don't know anything. Well, and and real Uh, quick, Dr. Smith, to point that against rationalism, rationalism then would be just the overconfidence in yeah. the human ability to know. And then skepticism is the kind of the opposite of that of we can't know anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, we, even, we, yeah. Like, within the domain of epistemology, rationalism is the, you can even put a little more fine point on it, that reason unto itself is necessary and sufficient for generating knowledge. Mm. Um, uh, without recourse, certainly to tradition, or to revelation. It's the um, measure. It is the measure. Yeah. yeah. Or even though, interestingly, uh, experience, right? So it's an a priori right. kind of approach, right? Uh, there were other uh, imp- uh, philosophers in the modern period who were empiricists, but both in, end up kind of running in this direction that um, it doesn't seem like we can really justify knowledge. And so one re- reaction is skepticism, saying, well, we don't, we don't know anything, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Usually, uh, forms of skepticism like that, sweeping universal claim, uh, skeptical claims. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just about a skeptical attitude, right? right. right? But a, um, frankly, I think a skeptical attitude is not a bad thing to have in a lot of instances. Yeah. Um, but the, um, uh, especially when someone's trying to sell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that <laughs> vacuum cleaner, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking more of like uh, ministry <laughs> programs or educational. Uh, you know, this is the this is the educational method that's going to cure everything now. The silver bullet, I mean, yeah. Silver bullet, you know, like, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the uh, um, but uh, a problem when you get sort of look at sort of skepticism in this sort of large kind of sweeping universal skepticism yeah. is uh, that very often ends up being self-defeating or contradictory, right? It mm-hmm. undermines itself. Um, another theory that's grown up from that is um, idealism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, this is very complex, and so I'm just going to state it briefly. Idealism is the view growing out of Immanuel Kant, who's a critical idealist, uh, later on that developed into absolute idealism. Very few people are absolute idealists anymore, although there are a few. Sure. You can find you can find find them in philosophy conferences. Um, but um, this is the view that that experience is shaped by the human mind mm-hmm. so that we don't know reality as it is in itself, but that we can know our own experience. Right. 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 And that probably should sound kind of contemporary, it right? Is. That, yep. that 
Well, I don't know the, the thing in itself, but I'd sure know my experience. And that's because my experience is shaped by by my own mind. Now, Kant did not think of this in a radically subjective way because he thought there were common features, mm-hmm. right, to the human mind, so that there's a shared human world of experience that we can know and understand, right? Okay. Um, of course, later, that that kind of confidence in shared structures of the human mind um, gets gets sort of um, subverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where we are today, right, in, in our contemporary theories, really, I think there's two that are predominant. One is postmodernism, and the other is scientism, mm-hmm. right? I talked some in the Introduction to Philosophy course about these. But um, postmodernism is the, the view, right, that all knowledge claims are socially constructed and, uh, and therefore historically or contingently true. Right. So it's true within <laughs> this society, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all things are made of atoms, and you know, the, you know, the, all physical things are made of atoms. Blah blah blah, right? Um, protons and electrons. Um, it's not true in Egyptian society. It's mm. not true in other, you know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because knowledge is a social construct, right? Uh, that is. It's sociological in nature. Right. Um, uh, society determines it. So you've probably heard this kind of thing, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And you'll hear that with especially uh, gender theory and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, talking, going sure. into all kinds of uh, uh, the, you know, some will say, well, sex is biological, gender is a social construct. So we are in a new society, so we can socially construct this however we want. And then there's those that even go further and say, no, sex and gender are both social constructs. Everything is a social construct, <laughs> sure. including, including this theory. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Postmodernism in, the, in academia is not quite as strong as it was in the hard edge. So when I was going through as an undergraduate, you know, there were professors who would say that science itself is a social construct, right? <laughs> a social construct to uh, empower um, – imperialist the scientific community and capitalist um wow yeah that's awesome <laughs> <Isn't> that <fun? laughs> uh so uh i would say a lot most philosophers have kind of backed off of that part um because the other version here that's very strong is scientism and that's mm-hmm. the view that only science is knowledge right um and you know um uh, that runs into its own difficulties, but but the claim here is: look how powerful science is. Yeah. Look how uh, um, look how e- look how it's how its beliefs can be publicly and easily verified. Yeah. Right. Look how look at it, how its internal consistencies. Right. Given both its power, its internal consistency, its ability to be verified. It is the example of what knowledge is. It's yeah. the highest degree of certainty that we can have is produced through uh, the repeated use of the scientific method. Yeah, and I think they would also say, and it's, and look at also how science is, it's free from religion. It's free <laughs> from culture. It's free you know, from bias. Yeah, from bias, from time, because it, it has, you know, all of these things. Okay. Yeah, because of its, yeah. its method, its methodological rigor, right? Yeah. And its um, unbiased forms of verification, right? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's really just a. So 
uh, of course, there's there's a uh, a good bit to be said for modern science. Let me say that yeah. it is compelling. I really do like the kind of scientific method and its broad general structures in terms of the formation of a hypothesis that is testable in a way. Uh, I think that our ability to test is broader than what science does. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, uh, scientism is, is itself clearly has its own problems. Both scientism and postmodernism ultimately are self-defeating. Um, so I, I just quickly, this, you know, if you want the brass knuckles value of what we've been talking about here, right? Postmodernism is self-defeating because if postmodernism is true, then postmodernism is itself a social construct um, and therefore not really true about reality. Right. Um, uh, about the thing in itself. It's just true for decadent 21st century academic Americans. That's it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so if you live in New York City, okay, maybe you don't know what the thing is in itself, but you live down here in good old Tennessee, we don't have any of those kind of problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? We got our own problems. That's right. We have a whole different set. <laughs> um, but did you see the point, right, is the yeah. point is it, that's just a problem for 21st century Americans. It's not a problem for Hindus, for uh, people who live in China, for, you know, um, 13th century Catholic culture, right? It's just a problem for 21st century Americans. Yeah, right? yeah. And maybe Europeans. Um, so that, that's a problem. Uh, uh a deep problem, right, for postmodernism. In addition to that, uh, scientism is also self-defeating because uh, there is no scientific evidence that science and science alone, right, uh, is knowledge, right? right. Um, uh, so it ends up being self-defeating because it doesn't meet its own criteria, right? You can't yeah, you prove can't. that science and science alone is knowledge yeah right? you can't scientific. do a yeah you can't do a scientific experiment to prove that the scientific right. experiment you know yeah. or the scientific method is the 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 only way to knowledge you know yeah that's right yeah. in addition to that um science presupposes certain truths mm -hmm. important truths, truths that i think are in fact correct right but it presupposes them methodologically so for example the reliability of observation right well that's a big philosophical claim right uh, and the history of epistemology. And so from that perspective, you know, like any scientific case that was to be made for the veracity of science would presuppose something it couldn't prove, namely right, right. Uh, the reliability of observation. You got me, right? Yeah, and yeah. So, that your senses are telling you the truth. That's right, yeah. And so if you were to use a, sci the, a scientific argument, right, to prove that you, it would be presupposing the very thing it was trying to prove. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what we begging the question. So we can go on with that, but those are some obvious uh, problems there with, with, uh, uh, with scientism. Uh, I know we need to wrap up here. It's gone long, but it's a complex topic. Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of two final kind of thoughts here. One. So where do, where does, where do things stand? I find that most people are kind of a mix of, postmodernism and scientism yep. and irrational yeah, yeah. incoherent right but the way we we structure this i think is we use kind of a kantian dichotomy when we're trying to talk about facts uh experience the way things happen right science rules mm -hmm. right along with math the combination of science and math that tells us everything we need to do, you know, when we're speaking categorically, when we're speaking descriptively, mm -hmm. right. About what happens. 
as soon as we pivot to meaning, purpose, value, uh, those sorts of things, definition, understanding, okay, not just what happens or will happen, yeah. right? Then, uh, then we go postmodern, yeah. right? We'll follow, so yeah, this yeah. is this we this is how we can have our current uh, discussion about gender, right? Is we can say, well, yeah, if you want to describe the person's body, okay, right? Yeah, sure. Give me a biological, scientific uh, account. Has nothing to do with the gender of the person, right? 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 Because gender is about the understanding of the facts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definition and meaning, and that is wholly subjective, right? Right. So, yeah, it's objectively true that you have all the, you know, you have male sex organs or whatever. It doesn't necessarily follow that the meaning of those male sex organs is that you are a man, right? Yeah, and I was gonna, uh, I'm glad you said that because I was gonna say something very similar that we are this weird today we're this weird mix of both because the other thing i've seen is well i trust in science i can't really find truth anywhere else um so who better to define who better to social to develop social constructs than the scientists you know (laughs) which which then goes back to well what are the limits to science which nobody seems to care about that question um Mm -hmm. so even when you so i mean when you have uh social constructs being determined by scientists or, or by people who think they're scientists or something, you're, you're going to leave out an entire part of not just nature, but reality mm-hmm. that you're not mm-hmm. even going to get into. You're either going to mm-hmm. wholly ignore it or you're going to distort it to the point of destruction, uh, which right. I don't know if we're quite there yet, but, uh, <laughs> get there. Yeah. Get there. Yeah. Yeah. You get know, there. But I, I think it's funny when you, when you start to bring it out this way, talking about this sort of social engineering through scientific methodology, yeah. um, you know, uh, obviously, I mean, I just read 1984, just read Brave New World. <laughs> just, I feel like there are books that I have read that have inoculated me from this stuff that just people don't read anymore, right? Oh, like, man. you know, just just read some books, please. <laughs> yeah. Read Frankenstein, right? Just, yeah. You know, like, like that, isn't that do some crazily conservative Christian view or something, right? Just, <laughs> just read some books. Anyways, um, <laughs> It's a great ending here for for our podcast. But, uh, I think that um, yeah, this shows you how these kinds of things actually matter, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's where yep. we are, right? Is in this kind of incoherent way of thought, yeah, and theory, and in an, a very a completely incoherent uh, view, and really a dangerous view about um, the efficacy of science and social engineering. Uh, so I want to just wrap up here with saying then that we're in a bad spot epistemologically. This shows how important epistemology and philosophical ideas are. There is, I think, a way through this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And I do think there's a better answer. Um, but one of the keys here is going back to what we started with. And that is the claim that knowledge is justified true belief. That's really an insufficient I think account. Mm-hmm. I think what you have to bring in are other accounts, a broader picture of uh, reality in a very similar way. I don't think that ethics is on its own. I think ethics, a, a really persuasive and coherent ethical theory, 
presupposes a certain metaphysics, mm. presupposes a certain picture of reality. And I think the same about epistemology, right? That is, you have to have the right worldview, the right world picture in order to make any sense of either ethics or epistemology. Very good, Dr. Smith. And I think for, for our listeners out there, you know, for especially for, you know, a country that was one once predominantly Christian that has lost their Christianity, it's going to be reason that begins to, I think, open them up to the truth of Christianity. Um, that when, and this is why I think so much of apologetics will be, uh, uh, will be kind of a philosophical apologetics where you begin to kind of uh, poke holes into their own logic. Because that's the thing, our, while um, many in our society have lost the faith, hopefully they, they haven't lost the ability to reason. Uh, I know their reasoning may be faulty and horribly wrong, uh, and we encounter that every day. But but if we can take them step by step into showing uh, serious problems with the way that they are reasoning to their conclusions, I think that 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 can then give them some own the, some some really good skepticism of their own ideas and begin to say, well, okay, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's another way. Maybe right. there's uh, uh, something else out there that explains this better. That the the, the, the justification is more in line with the reality that, that is there. Uh, so like you said, you know, I, it, we're in a bad spot, but, but it is one of those things. This is such an important area uh, that affects every part of our life with regards to, to, to knowledge and to understanding and to explanation. So Dr. Smith, thank you. And we look forward to uh, next time uh, where we'll get into an answer to this blasted question that we can't, <laughs> that we didn't seem to get around to today. Uh, so with that, I want to thank our listeners. Check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>